This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of It's Not All Rainbows. I'm your host, Lindsay Goodman. I'm a certified trauma recovery coach, and I'm also a survivor of abuse in a queer relationship. Today, I'm going to talk to you about leaving attempts, times when you tried to leave your abuser um, and it didn't work. And I know a lot of you have that experience. And sometimes that involves physical abuse and restraint, and sometimes it doesn't. It involves gaslighting and hoovering and guilt tripping and all kinds of things. And I've talked about a lot of that before. I have several episodes about hoovering and the different kinds of hoovering and what it looks like because obviously it's a very um, successful tool when people use it to lure us back into um, the cycle of abuse. Today, I am going to talk about a lot of physical abuse. Um, unfortunately, in my situation, a lot of the times that I left, at least in the first year or so, um, that included physical abuse. So if you listen to this and I, um, you didn't have that experience, I definitely think it's still worth listening to. Um, you never know what I might say that might validate your experience or teach you something. Um, but yeah, at the very least, again, even if you're listening and you've never been ab- abused, thank you for listening because that isn't your experience. And this can be incredibly eye-opening. And I know that probably nobody's listening to my podcast that's out here telling people to just leave. Um, Maybe you're thinking, though, why didn't that person just leave? Or why didn't they leave sooner? It's a very common thing that people think. Sometimes it's just lack of education. Sometimes it's just outright being an a-hole. But unfortunately, it's not that easy to leave an abusive person. I will... It is a hill that I'm willing to die on that when you leave an abusive relationship, however it looks, you are not just walking away. It's not a normal breakup it is an escape. It is a knockdown, drag out, hopefully not physically, clawing for your life to get away from these people. It is not easy. So I'm going to talk about like a couple of times that I tried to leave and what it was like. Um, And I, I don't know, like I said, I don't have like bullet points and I don't usually plan these things out, but I think that I will then get to the times that that wasn't happening and how I still couldn't leave. Um, because I mean, it can just be so confusing trying to leave. It can be so confusing and it can look different over time because our brains get trained, um, to behave or not behave a certain way. And we get really confused and we're in a trauma bond and we're in cognitive dissonance and brain fog and everything. So, um, so yeah. Oh, shoot. Um, before we dive in, I'll do my struggles and successes. Um, I, uh, before, before I do that, like I said, I did say I was going to talk a lot about physical abuse. So trigger warning on this whole entire episode. If you have experienced physical abuse, it might be hard for you to listen to. Um, I, I tend to try to keep things like less graphic, but it's still just, it's a graphic topic. So keep that in mind. Um, Okay. Sorry for that pause, especially if you're like driving down the road and you're like, where'd she go? All right. Um, so struggle next success. A struggle is, um, I haven't seen my son for a couple of days. He's with his dad right now. Um, we actually had to celebrate Christmas early because we're not both going to be in the same place at the same time for several, like till late January. 
Um, and I didn't really want to celebrate that early, but we have pretty much my son's entire life, <clears throat> excuse me, celebrated all together as a co-parenting family. Even when my abuser was around, my abuser would be there too. Um, which is like one of the days that they, or at least the time that we were all together was one of the times that they really behaved themselves. Um, but I just, I haven't seen my son very much. I was scheduled to work a lot last week and then, um, that fell through, but he was at his son's house and at his dad's house. And, um, it's far enough away that I wasn't just like, Oh, just bring him back over. I'll come get him. You know, it's like 15 minute drive. It's kind of like, okay. And then also because he's not going to see his dad for a little while, uh, you know, over the holidays and stuff. I'm like, okay, this makes sense, but it's been really hard. I've done some nice things for myself, which that'll be my success is that, you know, I filmed a couple podcast episodes. Um, the house is really clean and well organized for the most part. Um, my bed's not made, but I never make my bed. I don't know if anyone else doesn't, I'm just going to mess it up anyway. So I don't make my bed. And anyway, I really only have one blanket on it. Cause I'm not a huge, like fancy bed blankie type person. Um, it was when I was married because I thought I had to be, but really I just have that. I have my hated blanket. That's all I want. Anyway. Um, yeah. And I have worked out several times like outside of the home, which I'm not able to do when he's around. Um, spent a little bit of time with a friend yesterday, just really was taking some me time, worked on a puzzle and feeling really grateful for the time alone. Even though I do still have that mom guilt and like wishing my son was with me all the time, just being able to be alone and happy about it and appreciate and enjoy it and not like have to go fill that space with another person or like run around trying to like hide from it. Like I used to, um, is such a huge testament to my healing. So, um, a struggle and a success. I'll get it back here in a couple hours. I'm very excited for that. Okay. So yeah, let's talk about leaving attempts. Um, I have definitely talked about the first time that I tried to break up with my abuser, I believe. One of my very first episodes, um, back when I was, I mean, it's still a very small podcast, but when it was like baby, baby podcast, I talk about the red flags that I missed. And one of the first red flags was that like, when I tried to break up with them, they physically, like they came to my house, they pounded on the door, they wouldn't leave. They wouldn't allow me to just not respond to them. They wouldn't take my answer for a, a valid answer. Like I explained myself, I was like, I don't want to do this. I, I don't feel like this is going well it's been a couple of weeks and like, you're showing up and pounding at my door. This is freaking crazy. Um, and they tackled me. And that is the first time that physical abuse happened with this person. And it wasn't the last time. Um, but this can be very common with abusive people is that if they feel like they're losing you, like if you're, I mean, it could happen in public, it could happen at home. If it happens at home, obviously it's incredibly dangerous. I mean, it can be dangerous anywhere, but if no one's around, it's likely to be even, I don't like to say worse because it's all bad, but even more dangerous. Right. Um, and so the first time it happened again, I don't like to get graphic, but they tackled me out in the front yard. They wouldn't let me back in the front door. My son was inside. Luckily my friend was in there, but this poor girl had no idea what was going on. My son was just like toddling around the house. Um, I feel glad that my friend was there because this abusive person had no qualms whatsoever about preventing me from getting back to safety, being able to lock my door and being with my son, no qualms whatsoever. And again, not the last time that they would prevent me, keep me from my son. Um, and then I got free, tried to run around the side of the house and they tackled me again, blah, blah, blah. Time went on. Eventually, like they stopped. I went back inside. I told my friend, I didn't tell my friend what happened, but I was just like, that was 
wild. I wish that I had told her, although I don't know what my friend could have done because I was already pretty much trauma bonded to that person and like things were pretty nasty. Like that again, in the beginning, I still had a lot of, it's almost like I, I still had the understanding of what was right and wrong and like that, that this wasn't good and their behavior wasn't good. And then after a time, which happens to most victims and survivors of abuse is that it all just gets muddled. Like you, you start to not know because they're making excuses for everything and you kind of start to believe them and they're gaslighting you and it becomes normal for you. But at that time I still was like very much like, you know, mm -mm. and we ended up talking later. They came back again later and we had a talk and they promised that they were going to change some of the behaviors that I was like, I'm uncomfortable with this kind of thing. And we're like, I promise, you know, this is going to change, whatever. And I was like, also, you could never physically touch me again. But unfortunately, what happened was because I didn't actually, like, the boundary should have been, you touched me physically. I don't trust you anymore. Abuse escalates. You crossed a major line. I was, I did not feel safe around you. My son was inside and you tackled me to prevent me from going back in the house. Don't, I'm calling the police or I'm going to file a restraining order. If I, if I hear from you again, like that's absolutely it. Um, I'm going to go tell my friend what happened. I don't know, whatever. Right. But because I was like, don't do that again. Of course they're like, okay, I won't quote unquote, wink, wink, um, wink, wink. And so, um, fast forward, I'm not going to tell you every single time that it happened. I just, I have some very like vivid memories about that another time we were just in a fight and I was trying to leave the house with my son. I didn't even think I was trying to break up with them. And once again, my son was out in the car, like my little baby, all, all like he was still in like a baby seat, I think. Um, and they showed my leg in the door and prevented me from leaving. So, and I had a massive little door shaped bruise across my thigh, prevented me from leaving, prevented me from being with him. Um, I, I don't remember um, like many of the details about how that ended, how I got out, how whatever, because a lot of times when those wild moments happen, you're in fight or flight. I don't know the, by this point, the first one, I didn't live with this person. So I felt like I had a little bit more control, but by this point I was on a lease with this person. And by this point I was heavily trauma bonded. I was already getting into like a couple weeks ago, I talked about like that learned helplessness that they are feeding you from the very beginning I was very intertwined with them and most likely it was one of those things where, you know, if you bring it up in a conversation where you're like, that happened again, I'm very uncomfortable with this. Why are you doing that? They do something to, to, to derail you from that topic. They'll completely change the subject. Have you ever heard? It's like a TikTok audio where, um, I, I'm pretty sure it's Kim Kardashian and she's like, because you sold your house, you like relied on that money, something, blah, blah, blah. And then one of the other ones, I don't know their name was like, do you know the best way to open a banana? That's exactly what it's like. I don't know if you ever heard that or not, but you're saying you physically attacked me. I don't feel safe here. And all of a sudden they're bringing up, they're bringing up something from their childhood for a sob story. They're making an excuse for why, which I forgot to say the first time it happened. And probably almost every time after that, the excuse was, I care about you so much. I don't want to lose you. I don't want to lose your son. I can't imagine living without you, blah, blah, blah. That's not an excuse for abuse, you guys, for any kind of abuse. If someone actually genuinely loves you and cares about you and doesn't want to lose you, they are not going to reach out and grab you and restrain you and prevent you from leaving. I have like, I don't talk about my ex-husband a lot. 
I try not to talk about like the struggles I have with him very much. I also try not to constantly be like with this person and with good, with that person and with bad. Cause like my marriage wasn't amazing. There was a lot of not respect, not communication, all kinds of things. And however, when I left the marriage or if we got into an argument and I needed some time alone or whatever, not one time did he reach out and grab me or shut the door on me or take my keys from me or take my phone. Nothing like that, nor had anyone else. So this is not normal behavior. This is not healthy behavior. This is physical abuse and violence. Um, it's not okay ever, period. Whatever excuses they're giving you, it's not okay. And I remember, and this is this tells you how my childhood went, is when they first, that first time they told me they didn't want to lose me and they cared about me. I was like, oh yeah, my son's dad and I, like, we never had these kind of arguments where it was like really passionate. And I've talked about this before. I even have, it's a short episode. It's called like forest fire or slow burn, like where our brains have been so brainwashed by society and books and movies, other people, you know, relationships we've seen in our actual lives where we think that that's passion and chemistry and it's good to have these kinds of nasty entanglements, which is like such a nice way to put it. That's not good. That's not normal. That's not healthy. That's not love, right? But what happens is they're gaslighting you and they're able to derail you and, you know, deflect and put it on you. Well, you did this. I reacted this way because you did this. You said you're going to leave or you, you know, you try to set a boundary. You try to set a boundary but they don't communicate like that. They don't say you try to set a boundary and that's, that's threatening me. And I don't want to, I don't want you to have boundaries. So I'm going to prevent you from doing that. They will put it on you and they'll make it your fault that that happened. It's getting worse now. I remember one time I actually got out of physical abuse. This is at our second house. We had a lease together. And this time I actually lived close to my son's dad. So in the middle of the night, I finally get out the back door, run through the yard barefoot, go out the back gate start walking across I'm running across town my son's dad lived really close um but I'm running across town and like it's a small town I get to his house I come in through the garage I lay down on the couch they never knew this I never told them that I went to his house but I was like I'm safe now I and I'm gonna if you don't understand coercive control you're gonna be like Lindsay you're such an idiot um I lay down on the couch and I couldn't sleep. I just, I was like, they're going to, they're going to wake up. My son and his dad are going to be so confused in the morning. I'll just explain it. At least I'm safe. You know, he'll be able to help me go get some stuff from the house and like, we'll be safe. And then I sat there and I was like, this person is going to kill me if they find out that I went to my son's dad's house because they hate him from day one to after I left, he was their mortal enemy. Every like, all the time we would fight about him. Um, and I got up and I walked back home and I went back home. And again, I don't remember if they went to sleep on the couch or if they went to sleep in the bed or if they were still awake or they said anything to me after, because I remember vividly the moments of intense, like fear and trying to escape. And like I said, like I can vividly remember laying on the couch going, this ain't going to work. They're going to take my life. I need to go back, which again, that sounds crazy, but it was like in order for me to not get killed, I will go back so that at least they're just, you know, probably trying to pretend this fight never happened, that they never physically harassed and tackled me and all of that stuff. Right. And it'll happen again, but at least I'm not, I'm still on the face of this earth. And that is how abuse works. And that is why this is so important to talk about because our rational thoughts are gone 
and our survival instinct, even though my survival instinct, my self-preservation was go to a safe place, go where there's at least there's a man there. Um, he has security there, um, different things like that. My son's there. If they show up, we can call the police. At least I'm not alone in the house with them. Um, that survival instinct was then overruled by the survival instinct of, but what if they find out that I'm here and what are they going to do to retaliate? I cannot handle the retaliation that's going to happen. I just have to go back. And I stayed for months after that happened. Okay. So I wanted to share those things. Um, I don't like it. I don't like talking about it. I don't like admitting those things to an extent because Again, someone listening to this thinking, you know, not understanding coercive control and what it looks like is going to think, Lindsay, you asked for this. You're crazy. You're a problem. You kept going back or you kept staying. That is not how abuse works. So if you're listening to this and you've ever had anything like this happen, just know that it's because you're being abused. You're being controlled. You're in a trauma bond. They're gaslighting you. They have threatened you. A lot of us have been threatened to a degree that it's actually very scary to leave because you're not sure what's going to happen if you go. Um, and I won't get into that too deeply. I do talk about that a little bit in the mean hoovering episode of like different kinds of threats they can do and things they can get, you know, get ways they can get you to come back home. Um, one more thing I want to share is, so after all of that, like I said, I'm not going to give every example, but I gave a couple examples and I am sorry that if I triggered anyone, um, is that then after that, they didn't have to physically tackle me anymore. And I don't know if you experienced this as well, but as time went on, you saw that I came back after I left and was completely safe, kind of, I came back. So other times I would leave, I remember getting in my car and they would just let me go. They wouldn't chase after me anymore. They wouldn't shut the door on me anymore. They wouldn't tackle me. They wouldn't text or call me. Where are you going? I mean, sometimes I would leave and they would call me and a million times and be like, come back home, we're fighting, but like, blah, blah, blah. They started not doing anything. And this is a reverse Hoover, which I have a whole episode about as well, where they'll just sit there and you go and all of a sudden, again, your brain goes, uh-oh, what happens if, what do I, what about my stuff? What about my dogs? What about whatever? And it's all the things that they've told you. You can't leave. All your stuff is here. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to stay? What about the dogs? Well, I'm keeping the dogs. All your son's things are here. Your son knows this house. He knows this place. He's safe here, blah, blah, blah. Just a bunch of lies and a bunch of crap. And I hoovered myself back home. I can vividly remember I went and sat by the water. I stayed there for a couple hours, middle of the night. And then I was like, realistically, what are you going to do? You're not going to go to your son's dad's house again. You're not going to whatever. Go back home. And I went back home. So this is all so important. The reason why I'm sharing this and like we could talk about the whole just leave issue and why it's such a problem and why it's so dangerous and why it doesn't work and why it takes a lot of planning and plan a and b and c and d and a lot of times having outside help and outside resource and all this stuff we could talk about this for episode upon episode i could bring in people i could interview people they could share their experiences this could go on forever but i just wanted to share a couple instances of times that I did try to leave and what that can look like. And obviously I gave you the most extreme examples. I didn't give you the ones where I left and, you know, they would text me or call me and then we'd talk and I would come back home or I would just leave for a little bit and come back home or I would come up with a plan and then cancel the plan because I was too scared to leave. I told you some of the more extreme ones. Um, 
but it's important to know this. Like I said, if you, and, and if you haven't even tried to leave yet, but you're just sitting there, like starting to think that you might need to leave. I hope that this isn't like telling you not to leave because it's like, well, this could potentially happen. But to know that if you are actually going to attempt to leave, you might need some help. You might need some outside intervention, be it a family member or a friend, or maybe there's community resources for you. Um, you know, people say, I don't know, everyone always quotes that on average, it takes people seven times to leave. I don't know if that's still what like, uh, like abuse, um, like domestic violence centers are still saying is the average. But um, it took me a lot of times to leave and it took me way more times to think about leaving and talk about leaving and tell other people I couldn't handle it anymore. And, you know, talk, try to talk about what was what was going on without actually telling the whole truth because you're protecting your abuser. It's a lot. It's really messed up. It's really scary. Like I said, it can be embarrassing. You might be ashamed. Like how ashamed do you feel when you're so close to breaking free like you barefoot ran across town at night and found a safe couch to sleep on and you went back how embarrassing right but in reality the shame is on the person who's chasing you out of your home by physically harming you and not just physically but all the things that they do to you the shame is on those people so that's why i'm willing to talk about these things that's why i think it's important to keep talking about what we experience because abuse really does. It thrives in silence and abusers want us to stay, stay silent. Society still wants us to stay silent. And unfortunately, you know, I say this all the time. I really don't want to talk about this forever, but this is something that I can do. This is something that I can do with my extra time. This is something that I care about greatly. If I even help one person with my story, um, whether it's a survivor or maybe it's a first responder just who happens to come across my content and be like, oh my gosh, I have seen something like that before. And oh my gosh, now that she's saying this, I see it for what it was. I think that we made the wrong choice on that one. Guess what? You can't go back and fix that. But the next time you see a situation like that, maybe you'll understand the signs a little bit more about what covert abuse, what coercive control can look like. And that the victim might be freaking out and look absolutely crazy and that they need to be institutionalized while the abuser is super calm and just eerily just like yeah yes sir yes sir yeah 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 I know yeah no she just gets like this that calm person is calm because they're on a high because this person looks crazy they're winning now they have witnesses that this person's crazy it is so complex it's also once you understand the complexity of it and how abusers work and all that stuff it's really simple it's just they're effed up <laughs> the behaviors are effed up and not enough people understand it. So anyway, I'm babbling now. We need to keep talking about this. So thank you for listening. Um, if you're struggling with something, anything I've talked about, you saw a piece of my content and it really hit you and you just need someone to talk to, or if you're struggling to get out or you're out and you don't know what to do next, I am a certified trauma recovery coach. You can always uh, book an appointment with me at calendly.com slash Lindsay Goodman. I also have a monthly support group. We get together. We hang out, we support each other. It's been really awesome so far. Um, so check that out also at calendly.com slash Lindsay Goodman. Um, if not, you know where to find me. I'm on social media, Lindsay Goodman Coaching. Um, you can reach out there. You can ask me questions. Um, I do like ask me any things every now and then. So watch out for those. So I will answer those questions for you. 
But if not, um, go do something nice for yourself and go drink some water. I'll be back next week with more.